Welcome to day 289 of Shaped by the Word. Paul Camp here with David Dean Keefe and Cindy Lynn Camp. Don't steal my identity. Yeah, there we go. Your <laughs> <laughs> social security numbers are the last uh, four digits of your social security and your phone number. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, we are, you know, still uh, we're moving through the book of Hebrews and we've deeply enjoyed the book of Hebrews because it immerses us in so many of the images of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm that if we just had the Old Testament alone, uh, these would seem to us as foreign rituals and they would seem to us as somewhat excessive and they're beyond you know, our grasp. But when we see that God all along was teaching us about what was necessary for him to redeem us in Christ and we see how those images uh, are used to give us a, a fuller picture of Christ and the salvation we've been offered in Christ, we, do, we fall in love with the book of Hebrews and we fall in love with the entirety of the Bible uh, from beginning to end, God is moving towards sinful people and you know, through the people of Israel and all of their rituals and all of their covenant promises to the Lord Jesus Christ, but by which He redeems all, all of all of you know, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so, it's a beautiful progression, and beautiful picture. And so, we come to chapter nine, where we talk about. Uh, the tabernacle and the worship in the tabernacle and how that uh, reminds us of the final work you know that is done for us in Christ and then of course it ends with a a call to repentance so it's a very uh, very rich as as every chapter in Hebrews is a very rich chapter Uh, before we uh, before we read let's um, offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord David do you mind lifting us up no let's pray And Father, we do ask now that as we turn to the scriptures, as we turn now to Hebrews 9, that you would uh, illumine our hearts to see the wonders of your word. Um, Help us to to marvel at the beauty of what Christ has done for us. And in that, may our hearts be restored and renewed. May we, if we don't have affections for you now, may our affections be rekindled. Uh, May we um, worship you praise you for for you are absolutely worthy of it and so may we now enter into this time um, for your glory for our joy build us up um, in Christ we pray this all in his name amen Hebrews chapter 9 and now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread and this was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only a high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, that were the sins of people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say is not a part of this creation. 
He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they were outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. That is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of the calves together with water, scarlet, wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll in all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. It was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has suffered, once for all, the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Mm-hmm. A very elaborate in your comparison mm-hmm. uh, with the ministry of Christ and the ministry of the Old Testament priest. And of course, he's already told us that every detail you know, of the Old Testament tabernacle uh, was important because it reflected a deeper uh, reality. And he begins by telling us about you know the different furnishings in the tabernacle and mm-hmm. Uh, almost like we're going to go into entire lessons. He said, but we can't do that right now uh, because that would take so much time. No time to discuss these in detail. But it is a great great thought. uh, What are some of the things that stand out as we uh, look at chapter 9? Well, even on that, you know, he, to me, does kind of go into detail about how the tabernacle is set up to some extent. And then he begins talking about when all those things are arranged, then the priests would enter regularly. And then once a year, the high priests would enter. And you see just... Yeah. everything going into this, all the sacrifices that would be made on the Day of Atonement for the people, mm-hmm. and even how the priest's offering for his sins, the sins of the people, even the ones committed in ignorance, then the author of Hebrews just kind of, he just kind of, it, it feels almost kind of mean. He's almost like, but these weren't able to clear the conscience of a worshiper, of the worshiper. They were only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. And yeah. so even in all this, we see it wasn't sufficient, but he's pointing us to something better. Yeah. And, and actually not even for the ones committed in ignorance, but for the ones committed in ignorance. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament never anticipated a rebellious spirit. Uh, that it, uh, mm-hmm. it, it anticipated the people to the best of their ability would be faithful to God, but would from time to time mm-hmm. mess up mm-hmm. you know, inadvertently. 
and so the sacrifices are really focused on that. They're not focused on you know what the you know, scripture would call high-handed sin, which is a kind of sin that uh, we do because we presume on grace. A lot of times we think to ourselves, even before we do something we know dishonors God, it's okay. There's enough grace waiting for me on the other side that that I can go ahead and do whatever I want, and and, and he'll he'll openly forgive me. So the Old Testament you know, sets an expectation of both partners. You know, in a covenant to respond, you know, faithfully, uh, the sacrifices were set up because of the weakness of the one partner, yeah. and it is a, it is an interesting picture, but uh, it, it's also a reminder, you know, for us not to be high-handed in our sin, and that's to not presume upon God's grace just because we can, and because you know the, the His sacrifice is so deeply powerful that, you know, it, it covers us. Uh, we we should be called into greater faithfulness as well. And just why, you know, while this was so constant and ongoing, and they were constantly, pres- you know, presenting these sacrifices, I can't help but think that they would say, "Gosh, again, you know, this is we have to go again and again." And yet, it tells us innate that the Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. And so, I love how even this is pointing to that greater sacrifice, and it's no, there's, there's it's necessary no to see that. Uh, so the way the camp was arranged, you know, the tabernacle was in the middle of the camp, and mm-hmm. the people, you know, were arranged in certain places around the camp. And so, you know, Reuben would always be on one side, and, you know, Gad would always be, you know, just in their place surrounding, you know, the camp. And, of course, they could come into, uh, you know, the outer court. Then there was one more court that only the priest could go into, and then there was one more that only the high priest could go into for a few moments. And, of course, that's what he's talking about in mm-hmm. verse 8. The Holy Spirit was showing you know, by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. There was only one person who could go there one time a year, mm-hmm. only after a very elaborate sacrifices and only for a few moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have been invited to be in the presence of God. And, and of course, that's the dilemma. You know, how can a holy God be in the presence of a, a sinful people? Or how can a sinful people be in the presence mm-hmm. of, yeah. of, of a holy God? And it's only through his sacrifice. And it has brought us into the very place we could never go into the presence of God to enjoy his blessing, uh, his beauty, uh, his majesty, his promise, and, and to have a deep abiding relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Old Testament showed us the distance between us and God the New Testament shows us mm-hmm. how that distance has been covered in Christ Jesus and I love how he begins kind of talking about how that distance is, is closed because Jesus was this better high priest mm-hmm. and, and how you know the high priests of old they would offer um, sacrifices for their own sins but then he goes later on you know in verse uh, verse 14 to talk about how how much more than will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God you know so we see these priests still had sin yet this greater high priest is coming unblemished and even Paul picks up on this in 2 Corinthians 5 which is a passage we we all love that you know he who knew no sin um, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God so much superior high priest yeah Mm -hmm. and almost immediately you know the priests prove themselves unfaithful where it's Aaron's son or or whether you know it's Eli's sons you know in the high priest the priests themselves are very unworthy people. This is so different in the Son, you know, of, of the living God, mm-hmm. and uh, the sacrifices that He made for us. I like the little line in you know, verse ten. 
uh, mm-hmm. in our, our, our back up in verse 9. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Mm-hmm. And he talks about outward you know, clean, you know, cleansing, mm-hmm. uh, but there is a deep heart work you know, that needed to take place. And, and I love this. Uh, you know, God's forgiveness is so complete mm-hmm. that it leaves no stain of guilt. Mm-hmm. in the deep inner recesses mm-hmm. of our heart and uh, you know you may have you know experienced sin that you're still clinging to and still hanging on to and still feel ashamed of and and you realize that, that that is a work of the enemy you know who is calling you to question the depth of the grace in Christ Jesus where if he has called us clean we are yeah. we are clean indeed mm-hmm. and we can have deep freedom in the forgiveness you know that comes you know from the cleansing that we have in him and Ian Love, and maybe he's making this contrast, but we kind of see the, the priests kind of in service for the sake of the people, on behalf of the people. But then he has this little line at the end of verse 14 after talking about how much superior is the blood of Christ, um, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. And so we see where the people were so distant from God. Now they're actually invited near and into mm-hmm. the service of God, mm-hmm. which... You know, Ephesians talks about as well these good works prepared beforehand for his people to yeah. walk in. So I just love seeing the, the contrast of the people so far and now they're brought in. Yeah, n- mm-hmm. interesting word, you know, the word serve the living God. And sometimes in our, you know, we don't know what to do with it in our English translations. Many times we uh, interpret it, you know, worship mm-hmm. and many times mm-hmm. serve. And uh, for us, the, you know, the two ideas ought to, ought to melt melt together that our worship of God comes in our responding to God in obedience mm-hmm. and, and of course that is the, the, the greater act of worship you know not just mm-hmm. simply uttering praises with our mouth but responding to grace you know with our lives so that our worship actually becomes service and in our service that, that is where we, we find our joy it's not a mm-hmm. painful you know arduous oh my goodness he died on the cross for me I guess I ought to uh, <laughs> And just kind of gut it out for him. It's not mm-hmm. that at all. It's what we were created for. And when we find ourselves living our lives in, in this dynamic partnership with him, where everything that we think and do flows out of our relationship with him, you know, that is where we find fulfillment. That is where we find joy. And that's mm-hmm. where he is most glorified uh, in us. It's a great little passage. Uh, many things that uh, little passage. <laughs> that's a, that's a, quite a trite statement. Mm-hmm. Fantastic passage all yeah. the way through. And uh, many images, you know, here to occupy our minds until we actually are present in that, uh, in that, in that sanctuary pictured in Romans. I mean, in Revelation chapter four, before mm-hmm. His throne. Cindy, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Sure. Father, we just thank you so much for this passage and the reminder again that um, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, Lord. And yet you chose um, in your great plan that the ultimate shedding of blood would come through the Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sin, and we thank you for the cleansing of our consciences, Lord, that we may be free to serve you, our living God. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.